Welcome to the Cross-Curricular Dance Teacher. I'm Maria Craig Gibson, and I'm so glad to be back from my sabbatical and having conversations with educators about things that are important to the classroom. In this episode, I get to sit down with my two friends, Brandi Kelly and Erica Vasquez. I hope that you'll enjoy this episode and that it can help you contemplate what you are wanting to do for your school year coming up. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi. How y'all doing? Doing well today. Doing summer. Doing Doing summer. Summer's coming to an end. It is, but we still have two weeks. This is, y'all have two weeks. Oh no. <laughs> we don't even, well, no, we do. We still have about two weeks. I'll still be on vacation the first day we go back, but. Yeah, Brandy <laughs> is still vacationing. I'm peacing out. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not even mad about it. I like that. Where do you guys work at? <laughs> so we work together at Class and SAS. I work at the middle school, Erica works at the uh-huh. high school. Yes. So we both attended class then growing up and uh, graduated many moons ago. And the school is sort of, I guess it's labeled as a specialty school. It's not a charter school, but we have grades 5th through 12th. We have majors at the school from 6th through 12th. They get into our school at the middle school specifically from a combination of, they do test into the school. However, our administration is really trying to be very thoughtful and conscientious about not only having students here that are able to get high test scores, because that's a very small piece of the picture of success of what that looks like and what professionalism and future professionals in arts uh, look like. So we get them in on a combination of those test scores, as well as the auditions that they do for their different majors and sort of all that's considered as far as who we take. So our school, the demographic is pretty diverse. We have students from many different backgrounds and spaces and places throughout the city and even past Oklahoma City. So our students are getting a broad array of dance within our school, but they also come to us with lots of different experiences with dance, uh, both culturally, um, inside a studio setting. So that's kind of who we who we are at our school. Oh, um, who are y'all? I'm Brandy. I'm your friend. You are my friend. <laughs> I'm also your friend, Erica. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I'm a yeah. I'm a cisgendered, white, middle class, able bodied person. I'm a partner to my husband Jake. I'm a caretaker for my mom, um, and I am as a as a job where I do my work is I'm a modern dance teacher at Class and SAS Middle School in Oklahoma City, and I'm also the OKCPS dance chair. Excellent. So glad you're here at Erica's house. I'm glad to be here at Erica's house, too. <laughs> Many meetings at Erica's house. Oh, yes. Because Erica always has babies. <laughs> She's like, oh, gosh. We have to go to Erica's house again. It's the season. Um, it's speaking of, I'm Erica. I am the Erica that they're talking about. And I am a 33-year-old Latina lady, Mexican-American, if you will. And uh, I also teach in the Oklahoma City school system. And I teach grades 9 through 12. I am uh, one of two dance directors at Classen SAS High School at Northeast. And I also teach flamenco dancing 
at Everything Goes Dance Studio in the Plaza District. And I've just danced. Dance has been in my life. Dance is my life since the age of three. Can you tell us who's cooing in the background? This is Alessandra. She is a two-month-old uh, Caucasian, Native American, Mexican-American baby. She's a mix. And um, she's a part of the podcast today. And it's the reason that you guys had to come over. She's definitely the cutest one here. I have to. I mean, yeah. y'all are real cute, but. I, no, I agree with you. She's the she's, cutest. She's just still on the show already. So adorable. I love coming over because we get to see the babies. One of two. I can provide babies for you, everyone to hold. <laughs> this is my favorite way to have babies is to be able to hold, hold them. other people's <laughs> and babies. And give them back. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, I'm glad both of you are here. Three, all three of you, I apologize. All three of you are mm-hmm, here. You are mm-hmm. human too, Alessandra. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Why I love this mixture of people is because we have a caretaker who's going back to work. And we have a second-time mother with a two-month-old baby going back to work. And I, Maria, am a recovering workaholic going back to work. So this is actually the first episode after my sabbatical. So I feel like it's just a, a really good alchemy of energy to yeah. like be like, hey, we're going into another school year. So there's that. Hmm. So what was the most challenging thing last year and how has it changed the way you're preparing for this school year? And we'll go Brandy and then Erica. Okay. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I was, I was thinking about this question and I think that the thing that came up most for me is that both in myself and my students, like how do I, how do I take care of both my students and myself's emotional needs Mm. while still sort of like being able to zoom out, like being able to be present with like what I need, what my students need just emotionally as like fellow human beings in the world, you know, during this, wherever we are stage in the pandemic and this new shifting and, all of that stuff. And then at the same time, be able to think broadly, like zoom out and go, okay, well, where do we want students as I'm looking at Erica and I'm going, okay, I'm sending students to you, you know, some freshman next year. How do I help you in this moment day to day with none of us knowing how to cope with anything that we're doing Mm -hmm. and just basic needs. And then also how do I get you prepared for four years from now, which I think is in some ways not unique as a dance teacher um, in any school, But for us, I really am considering it's a college preparatory school and we really are, you know, these students are coming to us for this long-term commitment to dance, which is not always typical in the school system uh, to have a middle school going into a high school. So yeah, zooming in and zooming out all simultaneously for myself and my students is a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For me, as an educator, one of the challenging things was several things. One, I mean, the pandemic, obviously has taken at least a year full year from these kids from these students and uh, a new way of life for all of us for for a minute there and it's so crazy how fast we adapted to a new way of life and now being asked to go back Mm -hmm. to your old life but with some new ways to that old life and that's hard (laughs) That is so hard to do. Just getting through this year was so, I felt like we were just begging 
kids to do, you know, just begging them to get through things. Like, you guys, we have this left. You guys, it's only December. You guys, you have to get to school. Like, you guys, where have you been? Like, it was just all, it was so hard to lead because you just felt like, come on, guys, we can do this. And the other thing, kind of what Brandy was saying, you know, I was pregnant this last year. And my colleague was also had given birth. <laughs> so one thing, no pregnancies this year. <laughs> That's one of the That's goals. the plan this year. No, no problem, Eric. I and got you, know, you. Got you on that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, you play such a big role. The mom, we say, Camila and I say, we play the mom and dad role at the high school for our kids. You know, we're those second parental advocates for them. And when, you know, when one's gone, the children know and they will, you know, lose their minds or try to get away with things that they normally wouldn't. And Mm -hmm. so I think they need the consistency and the structure of having both of us there and having, you know, our first year, full year back with these new ways of life. And I just want to get through it. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. It's um, interesting because, so with the classing setup, we have two teachers at the middle school and two <clears throat> teachers at the high school. So already, like, me and many others who are solo flying dance teachers, like, we already crave that. Like, we're jealous of that partnership. However, regardless to whether or not we have a secondary partner, like, I think it's the idea of consistency and the idea of coming into the details of what do I need to do for my students today so that I can get them through the year mm-hmm. and into beyond. I think that that is something we all are like, yes, summer break has hopefully re filled my ability to do that because dang it was so hard last year to be like I I I tried not to lol to take away from what you were saying you said guys it's only December yeah <laughs> we got half a year <laughs> we still have the folks spring we got semester. a whole rest of the semester to which do. do you I don't know if everyone experiences this did you find that spring was bonkers busy like it was the busiest spring of my life yeah I I felt like maybe it felt busier Mm -hmm. but I think that's because of the structure that existed for me the year and a half before that you know Mm -hmm. or maybe year before that um I think it was I think I was more aware of how busy it was I actually don't know that it was more busy for us it was like I was taking in there's a level, I know you, you, you know, joked about the workaholism, but like, I feel like I 100% would put myself in that space too. And it's just something we've done as dancers for a long time, just to say yes to everything and anything for the kids. And we know how much dance meant to us and stuff. So after having that year of like forced kind of shifting in like what we could do, Mm -hmm. the second we got back into more consistency with what that meant and what those students needed when we got to spend that much more time with them, I think I was just heightened in oh my goodness we do so much for these students and I love it but I think it was more exhausting only because there was no naivety anymore right. uh, or maybe I was just more embodied and more connected or something which has its <laughs> has its flaws yeah. and hardships too because you don't just get to have the good stuff you realize how exhausted you are I'm curious would you say you felt that same sentiment of for sure and you know my priorities when I was a 
um, <laughs> beginning teacher was I had the energy, my life, my personal life, where I was able to give my students 1,000% of me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really need much time for myself because I was so involved because I could be with my students. And as we grow and as our lives change, you know, we become new people in our lives and we have new responsibilities. And then I became a mom of two kids. And I mean, that shift, they became my priority. Like my kids, my, my children are my priority. At the first high school I taught at when I was pregnant the first time, you know, some of my students were like, well, now we won't get to see you all the time. And now we don't get to have, you know, our restaurant dates. And now and it's like, yeah, it's going to change a little bit. But then I ended up actually moving school. So then it was a huge change. But they were really sad. You know, I was kind of shocked of how sad they were. When you didn't that... have that like first degree plug into you anymore because mm-hmm. you had to divvy up your time and your energy. <clears throat> Because you had said, Brandy, now that, you know, time has passed and you became more in your body through your studies uh, within biology, and then you had children, Erica. I'm curious if, like, those are one and the same of, like, centering yourself in this idea of, like, I can't be of full access to my students or to the school's community 24-7 anymore. Like, yeah. I think that you know, those life experiences on top of current events, like double down on this, like, holy cow, this is the craziest spring of my life. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. actually the same spring we've had mm-hmm. for decades as right. working artists and teaching artists. Right. Well, and I'm, I guess I'm, I'm kind of leaving out the picture that like, you know, Jake and I became caretakers in November yeah. <laughs> for, for my mom. So like there is that other level. And I mean, I, it's different because also my students don't know my mom and I'm not carrying my mom in a visual capacity <laughs> yes. to school every day. Um, but there is this, there was this sense, Erica, that you mentioned with students kind of having an, a different understanding. I kind of let them know the new situation of like, you know, hey, just heads up. I'm going to keep my phone on. It's not always going to be on silent. You know, these kinds of things are new. Um no, I cannot be available four days a week in the mornings to shift whatever times you need. There are two days available and Serena and I will shift off my other co-teacher will shift off one of those days and no, I cannot stay after school and no, I can't. And I think that there is a shift that kind of goes into that. I think it's a little hard for them to understand mm-hmm. caretaking versus like kid and they're younger as well. Mm-hmm. But I think 100% in talking about how did that impact, you know, the way that you're having to just make some boundaries with work. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's shocking how quickly that shifted, you know, but it's like, I have no question that that's how I should be utilizing my time. And also it's a shift for the students. Yeah. It's a shift for them. Absolutely. It's just interesting to hear the parallel between your two experiences. But like you said, I'm not carrying my mother like this. (laughs) (laughs) Not that the students see. for sure. (laughs) But I guess it's a good thing because. It shows how meaningful your relationships are with your students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the arts teachers, we have, a, we have a special role because you don't just have us one semester for English or government or one year mm-hmm. even. You have us, you grow with us. Like, we're growing with these kids, and we're a part of their lives for multiple years. Mm-hmm. And even me going to the middle school and then meeting me there. I mean, this is six, seven years of yeah. growth. 
And so I guess in a way it's special because it shows us that they care, mm-hmm. they like us, you know, and that we, we have that kind of impact on their lives that sure that's like oh we're not gonna see you as much and so it's like oh okay i also feel like it's something that i i probably would not have said like maybe definitely not at the start of my teaching and probably not even like four or five years ago is how meaningful it is for our students to see us modeling boundaries because if we're talking about how do we keep our students specifically in dance but this is really any subject just how do you keep humans healthy you know, we talk about, you know, making sure that you're getting fed and drinking water and all these kinds of things. But I know that I didn't have teachers in any capacity. As many as I had just incredible humans taught me a lot of things. Boundaries and saying no and the importance of that for both your emotional and mental and physical well-being was not something that was it was maybe modeled and I didn't see it, but it definitely was not spoken about. Yeah. So that's something that I think about with my middle school students a lot as I send them to the high school because I know they're going to have, uh, they have rigor in our school and they're definitely going to have it when their bodies are shifting and more adult-like, young adult-like at the high school. So it's like, how do I help them to know that they can create some boundaries with their bodies and be able to speak about those things and be aware um, and also knowing when they need a break or they need a second so they don't blow up and they need to sit in the office or they need string cheese because they didn't eat. Like, how do we do that? And I feel like in a lot of ways, Erica, with you talking about like, look, my life is going to shift now, but I also can still do these things. And this is how I'm going to be here for you. And right. hey, um, I have to say no to being at this rehearsal with you because I have other commitments at home, but also I can still be here for that. I think hopefully those things in my mind are sinking into them that those those can be examples of how they can continue to do that in their own lives and maybe we can stop this cycle or like at least slow it (laughs) slow this this cycle of um just running yourself into the ground Mm -hmm. and taking it to being age 35 to be able to decide that for yourself like maybe they can decide that at 18. So this brings up a really good question that is not on the list I'm totally like pulling from what you said so recently, actually not recently and beyond, I'm hearing a lot of like, oh, this generation just doesn't know how to work or, oh, people just don't want to do X, Y, Z. And I want to say yes. And maybe there is a, a shift across all things, right? Like beyond what we're doing. How do we demonstrate self-care, right? So that we can stay in the classroom and we can be of service to our loved ones and be present with our loved ones so that we can enjoy time with them, Mm -hmm. right? How do we demonstrate that and demonstrate productivity to our students so that our students can be productive people who are, are caring for themselves in their community? I think that's a really hard topic. I think that's hard lesson skill set to learn because I think that's the problem I think there's a lot of confusion with especially young people at how are you going to be productive like you have to work at something you know you have to push yourself but obviously not to the point where you're having these burnouts or breakdowns but you still have to work at something you know you still have to put in that work you have to practice I mean I'm just speaking from a dance point because Mm -hmm. that's all I know you know, you still have to go home and work on those corrections that were given. You still have to ask, you know, your instructor or tutor or whatever uh, dance studio, you know, about this correction you got. Like, you still need to put forth the effort to complete something, to reach your goals. 
I just think that in today's society, in some way, that gets confused with, oh, I don't need to do as much. Or I can just look at this YouTube video and learn this on my own. And I don't really need to ask Miss Brandy or Miss Erica mm. how to do this. You know what I mean? I, I think there's just a lot of confusion. And it does. I, you know what I mean? I do. I think I have a hard time. I agree with everything you're saying, Erica. I echo all that. And also it's like... I think there's just big picture things that need to continue happening in education in general for us all to be doing better. Because I don't think this is an issue only inside dance. I mm -hmm. think that's how we, we can speak to that only. But I feel like there is a continued need for curiosity. I feel like there's also a need for embodiment um, to be consistently spoken about and experiences of embodiment within a lot of different subject areas is important and I think when we're talking about like okay I imagine myself working out right kind of like getting back into like the things that are not necessarily always the fun thing but like do bring me joy when I do them but it's really hard to make me want to do it because it's not immediate gratification <laughs> like a dance exactly. class is always gonna do that go into my like studio red class at Bossa, I love it, but it's not always the thing I'm like craving to do, right? So I'm thinking about that with my students and this motivation of like, look, I know it's going to help if I go home and practice, but that is not fun. I got to wait for two days to even see Miss Erica to show her. But part of that is also like embodying that I have made a memory now in my body that the pain or the, you know, I say pain in a, mm -hmm. a, discomfort. a, a discomfort, thank you. The discomfort of that does have a positive feeling for me. There's a level of like practicing that that level of discomfort actually brings me something at the end. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what that is that we need to be doing. And maybe it is like naming what it feels like in your body to practice that exercise for that last rep in class right. or right. positive reinforcement for the practice that you did at home. Or, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if there's methods that we can do where we're getting people in their bodies, not just for the positive stuff, but the things that are challenging and a little uncomfortable, mm -hmm. because then when we are allowing ourselves to get uncomfortable in that kind of way, could that also be discomfort that you're comfortable with a little more or more willing to do in conversation? Talking yeah. about challenging things, Absolutely. Uh, putting yourself in a space where you say something and you're ready to be wrong mm -hmm. in the way that you're ready to be uncomfortable in a third or fourth rep. Yeah. Like, I don't know the answer to that, but that's something I've been thinking about. But even scientific, like even releasing, okay, I don't know, you know, the, all the correct words, but even releasing those toxins and those, uh, the sweat. And mm -hmm. I mean that I same. I am not excited to work out. Okay, just let everyone. But I know it's good for me, and I know how I feel when I get pushed through it, when mm -hmm. I follow through, and I complete it. I'm proud of myself. I'm sweating. I feel released. I feel free. I feel you know whatever was on my mind is gone. I was just, and I think that part in the middle is so our our students it's don't friction. want. Yeah, mm -hmm. we don't. I think there's a so because I'm going to talk about this book forever. Uh, the Coddling of the American Mind. Basically, what if I could sum it up is we want to eliminate friction in our lives and then we don't get the outcome that we want. We don't have autonomy. We don't have um, self-actualization and that like pride in our hard work if we don't experience friction first. So I like I agree, like you have to do that uncomfortable friction to feel that like <sighs> I did that. Yeah. Yeah. And the pandemic did not help that. Because now, you know, we're used to our own little right worlds. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But and we'll just, get there. 
as teachers, you know, that is something I think when we're talking about how do we take care of our students, it is like, it's new, continuous. It's, I mean, this is teaching, right? Like there's always something new to be learning. It's why I got into this field as well, stay in this field. But, <laughs> but there's new space that we're having to make and new ideas that we're having to put forth and new studying we're going to have to do on how we make this space in this new world for students who are very scared more than ever maybe about that friction or being wrong or those kinds of things and how do we make spaces that are braver for our students to do that and that's going to mean shifts for us and it's it's frustrating because we're already jumping through hoops and doing all the things that we can in so many other ways so that I understand how for some of us at different times that feels like look, I just want to keep doing the work I've been doing, you know, but there is sort of a new need, like you're speaking about. There's a new need for students. So how do we, how do we create that space where they can get through the friction and the discomfort and we can like be on that ride with them? Absolutely. And showcase that we can do that too. How do we model that? Like you were saying. Yeah. I mean, we basically become motivational speakers in that. Yep. And that's, you know, I practice what I'm going to say and I practice, you know, and how I think it's going to go and exp- mostly the kids like the experiences. They like to hear if something you've experienced, that's like their favorite. It's like how to get through something. It's like, mm-hmm. guys, this one time and they're like, what? And so I think they find it amazing that you've experienced this as dancers, you know? Yeah. It's like guys, I was at the dance studio one time and you know, they're like, yeah, I've had that happen too. It's like, okay, see, we got to push through. It's okay. Like you're going to be fine. So, well, you're being humanized. Yeah. You're not like an end all say all perfection statue of the thing to be. Right. <laughs> You're a living, breathing human being who's, you know, who's fallible just like they are and vulnerable just like they are. I actually have a real problem with that. Like, I'm really bad at being open with my students mm-hmm. and talking to them about my experiences. Because I'm like, oh, quit talking, Maria. Just teach the damn thing. Like, it's a weird, like. Yeah, and I think you have to be careful, though, like, not becoming their friend too. Of course. You know, no. a healthy boundary of which is teacher. It's part of learning as a teacher, you know. What are you proud of that from last year that you want to foster into this new year? I because we had such limitations the year before that on, you know, students being able to be creators for like shows and things like that or even have them be doing like group choreography projects and things like that. One of the things I was really proud of last year is the caliber of creativity and the willingness for our students to kind of come together and make a show. So at Classen SAS Middle School, we started three years ago doing a show called The Winter Informal, which is a completely student choreographed show. I mean, anyone from a sixth grader who's, you know, 11 or 12 years old to a high school person who's about to get a scholarship and go to college for dance or they're going to have the opportunity to create. And um, it was really successful year one. And then, of course, didn't have one one year. Last year, we had a really successful show. Um, And so getting, I'm really proud of our students and what they were able to offer after a year of not being able to do that. Uh, I feel like that creativity just kind of continued building up. And after that, plus our spring show, I think they really got an idea of what it means to be a part of our community in a full capacity, that I can be a creator, that I can also work with creative people and be the the body that makes these pictures. Um, so I think it's like the the spectrum that we were able to offer like as a full class in SAS middle school, high school program last year. 
I think part of that's the community too. Last year, I feel like we were really able to showcase to the students and the students helped us figure out what this community is like. So I guess I want to keep the community going and the creativity going. It's kind of cool that you and I are both here. So I'm like, yeah, I'm part. Yes, that's what we do. <laughs> um, so uh, I, yes, piggyback off of that completely because don't get me wrong, Brandy, myself, and uh, Camila all graduated from Classen. You know, so we we had we knew what the old Classen ways, which was fantastic, fantastic program. I mean, Proud I would not part of it. be yeah. the I would not be the person I am today without it. But I'm also glad that we have that basis, but also know that the the world is changing, the kids are changing, and that we are able to give them more freedom, I think, than we were given um, to express themselves with their choreography, with their backgrounds. That was an amazing thing to see. I mean, even the littles, I call them the littles, <laughs> you know, and just... We had a fall fest at the high school for the first time ever. And we put on a festival in two weeks and it was amazing. And the kids got to do uh, choreography then. They got to do choreography for winter informal. They get to go through these mini, for the high school, these mini audition processes um, each time because we want to see their piece. We want to make sure it's appropriate, you know, you know, they're kids. And um, we, we put it on the board, like these are the pieces selected. And, you know, they get real excited, especially after a pandemic. They get real pumped. They're like, I get to do this. And so it was same. And then we did, um, I was real proud of participating in more community events. Klassen did the Fiestas de las Americas pageant uh, show, mid uh, intermission show. And, you know, our class and kids really at the high school don't, know that life some of them they don't know the community part they they go to dance studios they they do the competitions they they are amazing at them but i want to add to it i want to add something to that also so that they are all rounded all parts of just being a dancer in general and i think another part of that is hey you got to go out to this scissor tail park and dance on you know this concrete stage (laughs) and you and but look at the people it's a free show. You're not really going to win anything in your hand, but you're going to have that sense of fulfillment of providing your art to the community. You're providing that awareness to the people, looking at their faces, watching these little kids w- dance with you and be proud of, you know, just like, wow, look at dance. And that's important as, a, as an entertainer, I feel like, to do those certain things as well. So we got to do fiestas. We got to do Dia de los Muertos. Fall Fest, like I said, we did Festival of the Arts. Um, and so that to me, from pandemic life to this, to just building a new class and dance department in general, was just a lot to be proud of, you know? Yeah. And watching our kids get to be like, what? What are we doing? Like, we're outside. Like, Arts Festival of the Arts was like windy, and they're like, what are we going to do? It was so incredibly windy. Yeah, pies were going everywhere. Oh, yeah, we had, we had fake fake pies we did a, a, a piece from waitress and uh yeah pies were flying off they were flying into the the wind but what it, a was, learning experience. it was the last time so that was fine. yeah what an experience you know you're not going to get that in a theater you're not going to yeah. get that experience anywhere else except outside right hot with like five people watching because it was just now getting there and then the parents showing up and well and these experiences like i think i know i took for granted the fact that 
I thought, okay, most of our students, especially our youngins, probably had not like performed at the arts festival. I didn't realize the number of humans at our school that had never been to the arts festival, which makes sense. I mean, some of them are, or maybe they did when they were little, but like, you know, some of ours are as young as 11 or 12 years old. So three years out, probably definitely, they were nine, (laughs) even three years ago before pandemic. Some of them just hadn't been to the arts festival. So the fact that they were going for the first time and experiencing our city and then getting to perform, you know, yeah, so much shifted in this last year. And I know that we're speaking like, you know, some of the things we want to continue. And I feel like we're just consistently talking about performances and experiences, right? Not necessarily like everything we're doing in the classroom on this minute level, but it's because that's so impactful. When we talk about, you know, how do we um, create these experiences for them where they get to like put these embodied experiences to use, there's no way to do what we do, even if it's just a small in-studio performance or something. The performance aspect, even though that's almost like a, it's not our, it's a summative assessment, you know, mm-hmm. in the grade book, but like, it's right. not just like a regular test. This is the thing where we get to go see, this is why we've learned all of these things. And then right. they get that experience and without it, uh, or I should say with it last year, I just saw all of their heads explode and go, right. right this is why we do this rigor. It all came together. This is why you push us to do that one last thing. Or this is why you tell me to rest. Cause this is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. So I do feel like that is what I want to keep continuing because Mm -hmm. without that, it's really hard to get the buy-in from students even in one year, but especially long-term. Well, you can't teach the feeling they feel on stage. Mm -hmm. You can't teach that. Mm -hmm. I think that the feeling that you feel on stage, the the lessons you learn when you're performing, like I think that that is what sets us apart from the traditional classroom, right? Like Mm -hmm. we have experiences that teach more lessons than we even can teach in our own classrooms as dance teachers. So I, I completely agree. So starting a new dance program in 2019, I think was such a clear demonstration of why performance is so important because we didn't have that dance show in 2020 or I'm sorry. in yeah, 2020, the time, the timeline is is so hard to blur. And then 2021, new dance program, we do a 10-minute digital dance show on YouTube, and I didn't see the results I was looking for Mm -hmm. until 2022, and finally putting all of the dancers on stage and seeing them feel those feelings and seeing Mm -hmm. them share their creativity and just be like, wow, this Mm -hmm. is incredible, that I'm like, okay, finally, Finally, we can move forward. Mm -hmm. And also myself as a dance teacher to feel that level of of fulfillment in my own work and to see that validation of my students. So yes, like performing is so incredibly important for our curriculum to to be full circle. Yes. And it was, I think that's also going back to the first topic we talked that was tiring again yeah. to like get through a perform like a week of rehearsals and performances and texts and, and I felt like um, me my brain I just missed so many details that I normally like you forgot know. how to be a director right like mm-hmm. I forgot like emails and talking to some people and like oh the lights don't work and like oh my gosh like you know just getting back into these obstacles and it's like okay. All right, I remember now. We've done it for a decade before. 
the world has never just not just taken a break. So, <laughs> so you know, and we, we definitely didn't. And it was just <laughs> like we've never had to do that in our in history. I mean, or maybe like back in the day, day, but like since we've been alive, I've never had the world take a break. Yeah, and right. it was just a hard pause. You just remember how many things as a dance teacher putting on a show yes. the moving parts it it reminds me consistently like I said I love this job so I want to stick with it but I uh whenever I'm updating my resume it's always like I feel like there's one more additional like when you break down the skill set you're like oh also I'm a magician like <laughs> there's all these additional things you're adding to the things that you do I mean yeah like you said we're a motivational speaker <laughs> we're yeah counselors you know, we're doing nurses. the lights you know, just, I mean, even in, a, in our school, which, you know, we're very, yes. very grateful for so many, you know, our arts, arts are so centered in our school. So we have support and people doing lights and all these kinds of things, but we're still, you know, we're balling on a budget. Like we're figuring it out as we go. Exactly. So yeah, we're, we're doing a lot, doing a lot of work. How do you intend to make your classroom more equitable this school year? Yeah, I'd like to figure out a way, and I feel like this is something I say every year, but I do feel like, again, with focus needing to be the last two years on just, like, getting through and getting to a performance, trying to figure out ways how to incorporate broader spectrum of awareness into non-Eurocentric dance styles and dance professions uh, and dance professionals. Like, I did, a, I felt really good about the work I was doing, like, at the start of, like, online pandemic. Like, I was doing these great bell ringers with all of these different people from, you know, foundational, like, crews. And uh, I was doing, like, Hispanic Heritage Month and AAPI and 2SLGBTQIA Plus Month and all of these things. And I felt like last year I was doing so much littler of that because... I was just trying to get us through like consistency of warm up and show up and be in your clothes and let's do this. And, you know, and I was really good at that, but there's a lot of additional things that I wasn't really taking the time to put into canvas or set up on the projector or like that was just additional time. And I was like, I simply cannot. So we would speak about it. They heard those things come out of my mouth, but as far as an assessment or a bell ring or something that like they had to do, those things were not always being graded and, and not that it has to be graded to be important, but like we weren't taking the five minute time I could have. So to me, just putting more people in front that I'm highlighting as much as I'm highlighting like the modern dance technique that I'm showing. Mm-hmm. But also um, I'd like to be able to focus more in general on dance history, kind of really be thoughtful. I know we're meeting uh, to do some vertical alignment with the high school. Oh, nice. uh, yeah. So grateful for these humans. And uh, kind of just thinking about asking them, like, what history are you covering? I don't want to double down. If you've already got a solid, <laughs> if you are already covering Lester Horton and like intensity freshman year, please don't let me do that for no reason at the school. But what could I do to help prepare them for that discussion? Or, hey, maybe, Brady, you take that on because I don't even want that. So you just take that on for our dance major specifically. And then I can do this broader thing that I've never gotten the chance to do. Like getting to, I think, work in tandem can make, I think, equity happen and who gets in front of them. And I'd also add, I'm thinking about adding in an anonymous checkbox, uh, like check-in box at my school. And maybe Serena and I both would do this as a whole or individually. But just have something where students can anonymously either ask me questions or offer, you know, 
hey, I really didn't like it when you did this, or hey, I know you asked if I could do adjustments, and I said no, and you accidentally came over and did that. I didn't really love that. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like, basically anything that students wanted to do, but some way to create where not the loudest student or the one that's willing to ask the question can do that. Or if someone wanted to speak up for someone else, too. Hey, I really, you forgot the student's pronouns many times this week, and I'm just reminding you that this is what the student goes by. You know, yeah, anything no, along I think those that's lines. That's very thoughtful in mm-hmm. sharing power, right? Mm-hmm. And allowing the students to advocate for themselves, if they, especially if they never had a chance to practice that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and offering, yeah, that we're going to level that a little bit. You have the ability to ask me something in person, or if you don't want to email me, <laughs> here's this little box, and you can come in and do that. Um, so yeah, I like that. I like that, I like that idea too. I really do. I just have issues with Canvas. Let me just go back. It's kind of a trigger for me, traumatizing. Mm. Um, so, but what I did take away from the pandemic, and I go back to it because I was also traumatizing, that I needed to, I want to incorporate technology more into the classroom. And so this year, um, and Brandy, of course, is already five million steps ahead of the game and I already did this but I was like how can I do this for particular classes as well um so we have a flamenco class a flamenco course that we offer at Classen, and um I think in itself we do uh, I mean that's my history nerd out like I will nerd out with flamenco history totally 1000 percent and the kids just follow me and they're like oh my gosh this lady's crazy because I just talk about history all the time with it this year I want to zoom in my friends from Spain and I starting with the seamstress who makes flamenco attire and taking us she's going to take us to her her place and then she has a neighbor who's a flamenco singer out of nowhere and I was like okay and so I mean just using these world you know citizen type things the global citizen I just want to do more of that I want my kids to not be so stuck Yes. On this, even though it is global, it is a global tool. She's holding up her cell phone. Oh, I'm holding my cell phone. So sorry. (laughs) Yes. But I want them to see it in the classroom. And I want them to see and meet people, you know, together. Very intentional. Yes. At the same time. Together. I'm really excited about that. And and it kind of inspires me to want to do... Camila and I have been talking about doing this piece together where it's half flamenco, half tap. And they're doing, you know, different. You guys know what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. you see it in your heads, right? I do. Um, I do. And so, I can't wait to see it in person. Me too. Right. And so, <laughs> so we're just stuff like that, and just really exposed exposure is how I want to make my classroom more equitable. Like I want to do something with uh, people who have the ability to sign, mm-hmm. and kind of just do that. And I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I just know that I want to do things that people don't get to collaborate with all the time. Mm-hmm. And just seeing how that affects the students and their minds and thinking about big pictures instead of Absolutely. being self-absorbed sometimes as teenagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just totally normal, I know. So are you anticipating that like you're the seamstress and the uh, flamenco singer? singer? Mm-hmm. Um, would be Zooming live with the students. Yes. I think that that is such an interesting connection for students to also be like, oh, what time is it there? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, you're a human that lives in another country. Right. 
that's not the U.S. Oh, like that in itself is such a like human connecting moment. And also, I love that you brought up your when you say sign, you mean like ASL. Yes, like, like ASL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that I think is another area of just like you said exposure where students can acknowledge that there are other humans in the world that are not like them, mm-hmm. right? You will be needing to align history, your the history coverage from middle school to high school. I wanted to just throw out there, I want what I'm working on is doing like a five year plan. Um, so I, I've laid the foundation with year one of uh, Hispanic Heritage Month doing like covering different states of dance in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so now I want to cover like a new layer this year. Mm-hmm. And then like the same idea for like a uh, Native American history, Asian American Pacific Islander month, like just having different exposures as well as uh, Black History Month and Women's History Month. Uh, going back to like, I think that online teaching gave space for me to consider mm-hmm. what what I could do and then going back to in the classroom full time like that energy was no longer there because I was surviving mm-hmm. in the idea of going back to all the productivity that we had missed out on and trying to find the balance of like how do I do these great ideas that I had during online teaching while still maintaining productivity that in the classroom requires also side note i would love digital day back oh my gosh let me tell you i think that well i will be i'll be specific to me what i learned is that we got so many wonderful things done with my students even with a and b groups in four days and What I know is that our students are not offering themselves, especially in the dance world, are not offering themselves many nights that they are not taking a dance class, doing a sport, doing cross country, doing palm, on their phones till a million hours. Like, you know, all the things that normal humans at this point do, like overproductivity. So having a singular day where if students were caught up, that they just rested or did something for fun or practiced, like that was the day where it was like, uh, this is your rest day, take this hour for your whatever and I'll see you on Thursday. Or even fulfilled their obligations to their family. Yes. They had that one day to be like, I'm here with my family. Yeah, or they got, if they're teenagers, they worked early. Like, I mean, you know, whatever people needed, I know that I also think a day where if I had that during this full time where I had them in class, and I had that day to prep my Canvas pages, mm-hmm. or to grade a few things, like, let me just tell you. Collaborate. Collaborate. Yeah. Have a meeting with OKCPS Dance and check in with everybody once a month on the Monday that we were on. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say I don't think it will ever better, happen. but I was a better teacher. So much better. I agree. Yeah. It was more productive when I had that one day. Because when students are in the classroom, it's so joyful and you're running with their energy. Yeah. That you don't do like the um, office stuff. 
Or right. you do and you're exhausted and you're there way too early or too right. late. And then there's like 6,000 yeah. errors in your email. It's either or for me. Like either today is an office day where I'm like, I have to get all this stuff done. Oh, I have to teach. So I'm not like the best of teacher because I'm thinking about the paperwork I have to get done. Yep. And then, or it's like today is dance day. Like today I am full. And then I get nothing done Correct. paperwork wise. And I'm like, oh, three o'clock, that thing is due. Oh, please have your notes ready for it. I'm like... Didn't do it because I was so invested in getting through a full class with my students and being a part of that, which they deserve all the time. Right. But, you know, it's just, and it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Well, and we're lucky in that way that I, I have a tag team person that like, if we get anything done, it's because one of us sacrificed that day <laughs> to be the office day or to take care of things. Like, right. I can't imagine if this was a only me if I was back to being a singular teacher like I was for eight years, yeah, yeah. you know, I can't imagine. Yeah, that would That's be so. Like, I'm always like blessings to you. <laughs> I can't even for real though. I can't fathom. And if if only I also was thinking like I think that performing arts it would be so. By the way, podcast listeners, it is a beautiful sunny day in July, and everyone has to mow their lawns because there's so much grass everywhere all the time. That's a, oh, it's all good. That That's also another side note. Like, I don't want to mow a lawn ever again, so I'm trying to change my yard to a, a no lawn, no mowing lawn. Like rocks in New Mexico? Or like clovers mm-hmm. that don't get beyond two inches tall. Hmm. Yeah. That also sounds like very soft and like I want to come lay on your mm-hmm. grass. Yeah. Like a grass full of clover. That, and it said that it is resistant to children and right or and deer so like deer and children can like trample it and it doesn't die okay well update us on that because that sounds pretty great yeah this is why i'm a non-linear thinker i like that here we are it's my favorite part about you talking about my lawn what is your hope for the school year to survive everything we just talked about I have no notes for that question. And it's because that is that is where we're at. Is it's just like can we just do the thing, keep keeping on what was working last year, the things you were talking about wanting to, you know, shift and make more equitable. It's like I just want us to exist. I want us to, I know that sounds maybe so like no nope. bare bones. Like if it does families not. are listening to this, like I promise I'm taking care of your, of your children. Absolutely. But, but it really is just like, I just need to, I need to figure out a way to take care of myself and my students every day. And if I am there and I'm aware, we will figure it out as we go. Yeah. And I will, and this vertical alignment meeting we're going to have, like there will be some clarity. Right. We have some checkpoints. We have some dates, like the system already exists. So at this point, my job is just to be there and yeah. figure out where these students are. Yeah. I mean, I think we're doing exactly what we tell our students to do. You reflect on what didn't work last year and how do we improve on that this year? And so, you know, we talked about our challenges. We talked about, I know that one thing that we probably have in our mind is how do we fit a community of parents and families and friends into our auditorium? Ooh, because I sure did show up to that show and didn't get in. I was sad. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Maria was one of the ones is what we're talking about. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about that goal real quick. Okay, so just kidding. We do have notes. Um, <laughs> we, uh, yes, so one thing we do hope for next year, but it's not even hope because we're going to do But I'm happy it. for you also. Oh, thank you. That people were 
busting down the door to come to your show. It was quite successful and the students did such a wonderful job and it was, we knew it would be full, but I feel like after first night, the word got out very quickly that it was like the students were doing such a wonderful job that it was like, you have to be there. And then everyone brought like four more friends and you know, anyways, thank you, Mr. Thomas for helping out with that. Shout out to <laughs> Chris Thomas at class in SAS Middle School. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, so I guess in talking about that, Erica, the goal is to be planning for, you know, the newness that will occur, which is to know now that we've got a larger community, a very supportive community that's going to be there. And how do we uh, maybe do digital tickets and how do we, you know, kind of plan differently for the fall or for the spring show. But I will also say that kind of hits on this, um, this idea of the, what we need. And I will also offer what I hope for as like OKCPS dance chairs, I'm thinking more broadly, not just in my program. I hope that there is support uh, from our administrations. Uh, I don't hope for that. Uh, I just know it needs to happen. Hope yeah. is a little bit of a, it feels empty. Right. <laughs> I just need them to do their jobs, all of you. And I need that because in order for these programs to survive, it doesn't matter how great of a dance teacher you are, doesn't matter how supportive your students are of your program. We need families, we need administration, um, we need government to do their job here um, that are gonna take care of our public school programs. So we can't do this in a vacuum. We can only do so many bake sales, we can only sell chocolates, we can only do performances which are only fundraisers please go to all of the dance performances that you can and support them and then give extra if you can we cannot do this alone so you know we need communities and more than anything we need our admin and our government to do their job to help our programs exist absolutely 100%. it's been a long battle with that mm. it's been long and that's why we are in our situation that we are in education in Oklahoma, yeah, you know, I just and I think it's so sad because we're losing so many great teachers, like great teachers, my friends, um, who have to do what's best for them and their families, and I totally respect that. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. um, but if if you put non-qualified people into a classroom, you're gonna get not the product. You know, it, the product will disintegrate. And it will not be as great as it could have been. I think it goes back to that friction that everyone's avoiding. Yes. We have to invest in the friction that gives us the product that we want. Yes. So I'm hoping, again, hoping a very... <laughs> I mean, that's what that's the word I use in the questions. So mm -hmm. Don't okay. blame me for using it. All right. <laughs> and I think there's like that hope kind of seems empty because there's only so much we can do. Yeah to make that happen. So again, we need community support. We need people speaking out for us and talking about qualifications. Like, you know, there are dance teachers who like, I'm, I'm alt certified, you know, in that way. So it's sometimes like not only what you're qualified to do in the classroom, but again, it's who's your administration, who are the people that are taking care of you and doing your evaluations and asking if you have everything you need or making you feel guilty about asking for those things that is also not a qualified person, in my opinion. And there's only so much control we have of that because, you know, admin kind of gets moved around. And But we do have the say of who, like, oh, I don't know, our superintendent is mm -hmm. or our governor. Mm -hmm. And this braveness we keep talking about in our 
our spaces of our classrooms, I think we need to get brave when we go to voting booths. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And not be in scarcity mindset and taking yeah. whoever we think is going to win. Right. I agree completely. Off of my soapbox. <laughs> no, <Wait>. absolutely. <clears throat> I like it. But I feel like we as the dance, especially as friends, you know, we all have similarities and passions and goals together. But in the big picture, I feel like we're such a small pod. Yeah. We just share with each other and we're all on the same page and we're so passionate and, you know, we do an amazing job at what we do. I just feel like our pod already gives and gives and gives and we just, it's a little disheartening sometimes just to see it not change in the big the big people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, people with affluence. Yeah. And power. Mm-hmm. So. That was a sad question. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Maria. We're Did talking you? about hope. I mean, but you know <laughs> us, though, right? Like, we're not about to be like, well, we just. Yeah. We're yeah. not in sunshine. We're not sugarcoat <laughs> yeah. kind of people. No. Really Everything not. is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's just, yeah, we don't. There's only so much we can. We've already. Yeah. We're putting what we need to do in action. And now it's just everyone else's job to either stick with our flow and keep it going or you know or not but either way we're going to keep doing what we're going to do yeah and I think that's why I love my friendship with y'all because I am maybe like a bipolar person when it comes to like hope I'm like yeah I'm like oh I'm just gonna quit but the reality is just keep doing your best Mm -hmm. and know that there are so many people around us that are disappointing Mm mm-hmm and also, there's so many people around us who are cheering us on yep. and showing mm-hmm. up for us. And inspiring us. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a very interesting balance that I suppose we would really prefer, you know, if we could flip the power dynamic of the people cheering us on to be the ones making major decisions, mm-hmm. it would be really nice. But I'm just a dance teacher. What can I do? <laughs> How do you plan to care for yourself this school year? Well, for, I mean, like the thinnest layer is scheduling, how to schedule yourself. And that comes with talking to others, talk, um, times and what you, what's most important on what nights, what days. And, uh, for me, I had to switch up my schedule at the dance studio I work with at night in the evenings lessen the classes that I am going to teach so I went six at night last year to four and trying to be home before the kids bedtime start because that is a chaotic that's a whole nother world people and um (laughs) if I can be there for my spouse in those times because it is very hard as like the single parent night to do that and now we have two so we don't know what that's going to be like with one parent dealing with it. And so I wanted to be there. So I think that's part of my self-care is having, being a good wife, mom, those are my priorities. And those, that's how I can do that is change my schedule, which happened. So I'm really grateful for that. And uh, just getting to spend more time with my kids because it's a weird, it's a weird thing that you hear all the time. Like time goes by so fast, time goes by so fast. But literally time goes by so fast. And um, this is it for us. We're not having any more kids after this. And so just to see them and be a part of their lives, uh, I only get to do that one time because I'll never be this age again, ever. 
So that's really important to me and myself. As far as Mimi, Mommy, you know, I take 15 minutes for me in the mornings and 15 minutes for me at night. And I, ha and I have to do those regardless. You know, I have to do my creams and brush my teeth. And I have to take a shower and I have to brush my hair. And I have to do those things, even though sometimes 90% of the time, I feel like I just don't have time. I can't do that. I could be doing other things. There's so many things to organize or pick up. But I tell myself, you need these 15 minutes in the morning and you need these 15 minutes at night. Everything's going to be waiting for you. Everything's going to be there. Everything's okay. So I've been trying to teach myself to give me those times regardless of what's going on. Does that count? It does count. So does that answer count? That answer totally counts. <laughs> yep. I love that. Yep. How yeah. I also concur with the scheduling. Uh, that probably seems like such a Brandy has a way crazier schedule than me. Oh, not even. Not e no. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that that is like that's shifted. So since the last time we podcasted, mm -hmm. yes, a lot has shifted for my schedule, mm -hmm. and one of those things is basically taking away any anything that's happened maybe since June, I guess. Anything that's not my job at Classen um, or OKCPS dance chair, and my mom. Like that's it. You know, I stepped back and taking, I'm taking a pause on embodyology teacher training. I'm taking a sort of a step back pause, you know, race will, race dance collective will always be in my life, but I'm stepping back from creative directing. I have no official title. Uh, I'm not teaching yoga. It has gone away because there was no way for me to care for myself and everyone else at the same time. There was just no way. So scheduling with Jake, asking for what I need as a partner, like asking and saying, Hey, I see your schedule looks like this. looks like there's an openness here. I have no reason to be gone at five o'clock today, but it's been a long day and it looks like you're home. So I'll be gone till nine o'clock meds. Does that work for you? Great. Like knowing when I need to ask for that. Mm -hmm. Therapy once a week. Thank goodness for my therapist. Chiropractic and um, massage. Nice. I found a really amazing place. Brixton Chiropractic, y'all, not even joking. If you got good insurance oh. or got some insurance through OKCPS, yeah. it's like at $10 and I get a 20 minute massage chiropractic adjustment. I get to be on one of those tables that rolls you. I pay oh, for like, I, I should probably know which, which insurance it is, but I know that like a few of us had multiple ones, multiple versions, high, low pay. Mm -hmm. And it's very similar. I want to say the highest was like 30 a visit for someone and you get all these things and also acupuncture. Wow. I can get acupuncture there. So Taking care of those bodies. Wow. Um, work. I'm gonna be working out two, just two mornings a week. Um, I also want to take yoga and embodyology. She's like, I agree. No, she's totally smiling at everything Brittany's saying. I'm telling you, Taurus friend over there. <laughs> uh, and um, I also do um, have done a practice of like five minute journaling, five minute meditation in the morning. Not long stuff, but just like if I can sit down for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And I also concur, Erica, with the evening routine. Y'all, yes. um, it's gotten like intense. Like it's not intense. It's like a three steps or whatever, but like doing it no matter what. I'm into slugging. Have you done slugging with your face? I don't know what oh my gosh. Okay. I, I don't know what this Okay, this is on, it's on like Instagram and TikTok and whatever. And I didn't realize I did it. But after you do your like, you know, cleanser, toner, uh, lotion, you put oil, you, you slather. I have very uh, dry skin, not super oily skin. And you slather with another kind of oil, like jojoba oil or 
Uh, there's like CeraVe has like a one that a lot of people use like a really intense anyway but so like slugging like going to bed like looking like a straight up slug with like the sheen on the face skin feels real nice in the morning uh oh. and like also spraying my pillow with pillow spray like the lavender okay, it's like about that. the smell is like you may now rest like it feels like a ritual so um, does you delay and not move at all oh no i fully like yeah i mean it's it soaks in decent it's not that heavy okay. i don't go like hard with okay. like you just slug all over the bed yeah i mean i probably yes oil gets on your pillow you gotta wash it but but yeah that so yeah the, the evening skincare routine and then also just yeah like saying consistently just knowing it's okay to say no right to stuff which that probably sounds like a ton of stuff but we're talking minute we're talking yeah. minute you know maybe right. an just hour of stuff day. a day or 30 minutes a day you know except for days i work out like and let me just say brandy has always the most moisturized face <laughs> naturally it's true. Yeah. thank you it's that uh the slugging's working it's the slugging dewy yes yeah it's beautiful well mm-hmm. thanks y'all yeah appreciate it it's that sweat from the sun or summer you know that's all it is but i will also say maria does not have the eyelashes right now oh you didn't where are the lashes i took my eyelashes off at the end of the school year to detox from my eyelashes oh did it become a negative thing were they irritating or anything yeah um so my elena i love elena she's my lash tech she had a back injury and she wasn't able to do a couple of my fills so i was seeing some other people and then after the fourth person that i saw i had four unfortunate experiences with other Mm. people um i had some balding on my right eye Mm. yeah so i was like okay you know what maybe it's time to take a little break so elena took them off i got my eyebrows laminated and I'm actually getting a new set of lashes for the school year, um, August 1st, but Elena is moving. Oh, you got to find a new one. always happens. My cousin has a person that that they like. I should see. Yeah. I'll totally take suggestions because... (sighs) See, Maria likes her lashes. I know. I I like them too. Yeah. They're they're very fulfilling. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Made me feel good. So, but also it's been interesting to take off my lashes and like see my face with no lashes and be like, oh, this is what because like, I've worn lashes for six years, mm-hmm. like religiously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and even somehow during the pandemic, my lashes stayed on. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> I mean, they were looking pretty like fried, but nonetheless, like they stayed on pretty good. But yeah, it's interesting. What about you? What are you gonna do for self care? So. I echo that scheduling idea because so last summer I scheduled this sabbatical and it's been the best thing ever. Like literally, so the beginning of my sabbatical, I scheduled my sabbatical for cancer season. So I was like, there's something going on in cancer season that I need to deal with. And the first part of it was like, like I was like huddled on my couch in a blanket in the dark. Like, (laughs) oh. Life is so hard. But now I'm in the last 10 days of my sabbatical and I have like this, like I made myself a warm breakfast and a protein shake every day. Is that going to exist in the school year? I really don't think so. I'm going to be real with y'all. <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the idea that like my, I see how my energy has shifted yeah. from this like almost like self 
pity wallowing Mm -hmm. to like I have space to think and create and and enjoy things like actually like live in my body and so I'm curious I want to consider over the next you know last 10 days of my sabbatical of like how can I take little snapshots of this experience of my cancer sabbatical cancer season sabbatical bless you baby bless you baby <laughs> oh my gosh, that was adorable. You're so cute. She's like, I know. She's like, me too. <laughs> me too. But you want to take snapshots. Mm-hmm. And, and like, how can I like put that into the school year, right? I do think, so I've never had a night routine. That surprises me. Yeah, yeah. that surprises me. I you. am a like ritualistic morning person. But even now, like, since I broke my foot, like, I couldn't do my morning ritual when Mm -hmm. I broke my foot. I saw this TikTok video that was, like, people with ADHD, which I think could also be translated to people with energy fluctuations, day-to-day energy fluctuations, need systems, not rituals. Mm. Because a system allows you to hit the objective regardless to what your energy level is. Mm. Where a ritual requires you to do the same thing every single time, which is really hard when your energy levels are fluctuating. Mm. So I'm curious of like, yes, my, you know, wake up, move my body, brush my teeth, wash my face, meditate. Like that was my ritual, right? How can I situate that into a system instead that allows me to, regardless of my energy, I can meet those objective needs without being like this is the the strict structure that I must follow otherwise I'm doing it wrong do you mm-hmm. feel like you have and it <laughs> this is not pointed in any way it's a real question do you feel like you have the rigor in you and the consistency to be like I have to daily do these things but anytime I can do them is fine because I find such challenge with that yeah like I want to be that person who just has the system so badly mm. And I have not found that I'm successful. So I'm excited to hear how you are navigating that yeah. idea. Or if, if, if I'm understanding you're putting that into practice, like the idea of a system instead of ritual. Yes. I will say since the sabbatical has started, I see myself shifting into systems instead of ritual. And it has been um, like an honest way of living in my body. Because mm. I also realized in this cancer season sabbatical, I don't think I ever fully lived in my body until like mm. yesterday mm-hmm. and even now i'm like but how much more could i live in my body mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's great yeah so and i wonder if like a little night routine like spraying my pillow oh my gosh that sounds magical yeah like i want to try that <laughs> yeah it's good stuff and there is there is something about the bodily thing of that like mm-hmm. massaging my face and mm-hmm. yeah there's like there is something you know, mm-hmm. I was thinking I just need to take care, better care of my skin in general. But there is that like physical touch and yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. I have a dry brush too yes. that I've I've started to use again more. I got it from um, someone actually in um, embodyology teacher training. Yeah, that was part of our like um, process was learning how to dry nice. brush and like be. I should I get a dry brush for you. Like, I have one. I have a dry okay. brush. Okay, I don't. Yes, we need to get Erica a dry brush. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, oh, it feels so nice. I the idea is you're doing a lymphatic drainage, mm-hmm. um, but you know, regardless, it just feels really nice. Nice. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. You know when you take off your clothes at the end of the day and you just scratch at yourself? I do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm also I feel a morning like person with that. That's it kind of like fulfills that need like because it's a full body scratch mm. yeah it's really nice it does feel really nice yeah, like, <sighs> like uh, yeah the, the chilies yeah mm-hmm. i also have started taking classes again so last week like dance I classes did, oh uh, let's talk about that so i want to take a dance class because i stopped performing in 2019 or 2018 i can't really remember now which is still and amazing, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. nonetheless, uh, and I haven't trained. And then, like, pandemic, I was like really hardcore on my yoga practice, and then I kind of like fizzled out. So I haven't done anything, and then I broke my foot. Mm-hmm. So I took my first Pilates class last Thursday, like a, nice. a former Pilates class. I was like, oh, this feels really nice. It's the friction. You feel like the friction that gives you like the sensation of success. Mm-hmm. And then yes. I took a, a yoga class two days in a row now. Like I was looking at the adult classes at the studio at, at everything Oh, like goes. flamingo? Or just yeah. like, like just the, all those classes? Like, all, well, I was looking at all the adult classes. Like, ooh, I could take flamingo. That's, That's yes. really fun. Camila uh, Paint and Cook it will be taking my flamingo class this year also. Wait, what day is that? Monday. Uh, Monday nights. Seven. Yes. So that's the adult class. Camila wants to do the class with the long bata skirt, which is like my advanced class, but she can totally do it. But my adult flamingo class is probably one of my most favorite classes because the people that take that class are so committed and they know that they are there for a reason to, it's just more than my mom made me go get out of the car and like go to this class. Like they are there for themselves. And I make them say that the first day, like, why are you here? Like, what is the purpose? Like what? And it's just like, I need to do something for me. I need, this is my time. This is like fun. It's new. It's different. I don't, I'm I'm terrible at it, but I want to just get into it and try it and get better. And so, um, and yeah, I have yoga instructors in there. I have nurses in there. I have military women in there. I have, it's just, it's one of the most fun classes for me to teach. And everyone works real hard, so you should. Yeah. You should. Right, have you been taking class? Mm-mm, but I've been wanting to. Yeah. It's kind of on That's my... a lie. You took the voguing class and you took the swing class. Oh, I thought you meant that class. No, <laughs> I had wanted, I actually talked to you, Erica, like three, I don't know if you remember, I talked to you like three years ago about it and was asking, but it yeah. was like, yeah, anyway. Oh yeah, no, I have been. I took uh, I took Steve Lee's voguing class, which was just a blast. And she did in heels. I did. Bernie can do it. Okay, you guys are so like y'all. totally about it. Let's be real. We could all do that. Yeah. What else did I take? I took. Um, oh, I took he's again in heels. I took he's um, kinky boots. Oh, nice. Class, which was also that's fun. Super fun. Yeah. Yeah, there is something about, I don't know if you're feeling this when you talk about like feeling in your body, Maria, but it's like feeling strong again. Like there's this mm. shift that like, and I hope that our students can, I hope that my students can feel this so much faster than I'm able to have just now tapped into this. But like this idea of being, um, feeling like strong in my body, like genuinely, how does my body feel? It feels flexible. It feels strong. It feels powerful. Like rather than this idea of like, spending so much time on like the thing that I'm having to wear to class or 
how my body looks different or even, yeah, like, and I'm in a ballet class and my leg isn't as high. Mm. And so that in some way is a judgment call on me on whether or not I should be in this class or whether or not I'm good. Right. Which, what does that even mean? I'm not performing anymore. It's not even like a goal. I'm just taking it because I want to feel good. So I don't know. Are you feeling that too, where you're feeling like some strength? I, you know, like taking class was always to, what's wrong, baby? There's all this conversation. I need to join in. <laughs> the cutest. She's so adorable. So I have always taken class to be productive, right? Like it was this idea of my worth was connected to my productivity. But what if I just took class because it's fun? Mm-hmm. Or I took class because it feels good. And it feels good to move with other humans. Like You know what would be awesome? Which, scheduling, we never have time. And we never, probably will, but let's talk about it. For OKCPS and Maria, teachers, <laughs> to just have a... I don't... I have lost a lot of my confidence when it comes to not flamenco. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that flamenco has been pinned on me just to do. And with everything else, like jazz or anything, ballet, modern, hip-hop, I just feel so my confidence has dwindled so much with that. But I I want to take class with just my friends at first. Mm-hmm. Like I need my friends first before I take class with anybody else outside my friend group who may be like a friend, but like, you know, my like friend friends. Mm-hmm. Like, to feel vulnerable around those right. people that you're like, I need to get through we're a class all feeling it. through like, I would not feel confident with anyone beyond five people that I could say right now. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so um, maybe for self care, we should one once upon a time do that. I like that idea. When I, I don't know, never, but yes. <laughs> I wish we could figure out. This is another case for why having like a, a day during the week where you're doing a virtual day or you're doing mm. a something would be so great because having those days to do your own PD into your own development and not have to do overtime and not have to work on a weekend because yes of course it's it's about fulfilling our job obligations and like some way and stuff but it's also about joy and Mm -hmm. I mean I think that development is actually quite important and I think if the schools could support that financially Mm. that would kind of be ideal are you still our lead for OKCPS? I am. and Okay, make that happen, Brandy. Well, that's... Yeah. <laughs> for PD, for the, the wheels are turning in, in this you way. You totally could. And the, the deal is I would also want to make sure that someone got paid for this. Because right. I know... That, yes, I understand money is not everything, but money is energy, as we talked about earlier, Maria, right? Who are we paying? Well, so my idea is that if we're sharing our skill set, if you wanted to teach a class or Maria was teaching a class or I was teaching a class, mm-hmm. we're not volunteering our time for that. We're experts. But wouldn't we use a PD day for that? We would. But, but we would get paid. No, but I'm saying whoever's in charge of it should be getting paid uh, for that. But I'd be willing to just Of course we would, because like, this is who we are. But, you know, my <laughs> point you. is I hear you. The Capricorn said, no money, no PD. No. <laughs> Well, I just think we, you know, we all know how tiny our stipends are. Yeah. For you doing want to an compensate people for their for, energy and time. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I also think people will be more willing to take time out of their already paid job mm-hmm. to do something that is also paid rather than something that is free. I think we will get better oh, yeah. content when we are. I agree taking with that. Time. As you were talking sure. about Erica, doing extra work, right? Yeah. You know. For sure. But either way, yes. 
making that happen but would like be the ideal. Self, for me the self-fulfillment and reward would be like payment in itself for, for i us. hear that i hear that like for for adult women for us educators mm-hmm. to like just be together and take a class and just move our bodies and just be like my for me my confidence just to mm-hmm. yeah back up. i hear that That's well and maybe there's ways to work that in with with race as well with mm-hmm. race dance collective because one of the things we're trying to do is get teachers in and oh so many by the way talking about teachers in dance uh so many people took race up on our offer this summer to do five dollar classes and not dance teachers like it was like calculus teachers and people who taught history and all these different kinds of things so it's interesting because creativity Mm -hmm. yeah so so healing it is so good for us so maybe there's maybe there's something in that too that maybe race can help provide um, I like that. space for that. I love that. Yeah. How will you lead students in caring for themselves this school year? I mean, I think just like we've kind of said, being able to practice it yourself um, and giving them your experience hopefully will motivate them and be and motivate them and and have them be okay with asking you how to or like I didn't really understand that how, what you were explaining but I want to know more like or how, what do you think of the or, like Brandy said like being inviting to them to talk um for me has always worked you know having that office time or just having that lunch time with a group of them it's <coughs> always Kind of like, so what are you guys up to? Oh, that doesn't sound very healthy. How about we try this? Have you tried this? Um, because I think their definition of self-care is very lost sometimes. I was just reading something somewhere. I was like, you're, we're obsessed with this idea of like, I have to do this big thing. I have to go mm-hmm. spend this money. I have to go to these different places for self-care when really like just being where you are and resting where mm-hmm. you are is actually just as radical right. as doing all the big extravagant self-care moves yeah. mm-hmm. for sure yeah i should have said earlier how you're gonna take care of yourself it's sleep which is something i got better about probably the last like year mm, is realizing how important trying to get sleep is which i can't, can't even imagine with the bb's but yeah, that rest I think is important. Um, and the checking in. I know that something I'm like in specific practices, I know that I've typically started my classes with a bit of breathing, mm-hmm. um, five deep breaths. Um, and I think the la- later the year kind of went on, it was like, okay, like let's do our bell ringer and let's get going. Or like, like I wasn't even modeling that that was the important thing to do because for whatever reason, it was like, I didn't even feel like we had five minutes to do that. Mm. That's a terrible modeling (laughs) situation for you as a teacher. And so really trying to be specific and intentional with, we have five minutes and not even five minutes. It's five deep breaths. We're talking like 45 seconds, you know? Yeah. Um, So like making that to be a point to breathe. And also I was really good. and, And most of us are about having gratitude at the end of class like we were rigorous and we do these things, but then also we can only do this over and over again if we have a community and we're grateful for ourselves and each other and we have appreciation. Something that I want to do is continuing to guide 
our students and communicating with their teachers. You know, working with middle school is its own animal and they really are learning for the first time, you know, some of them for the first time. I mean, I was still in officially uh, elementary in sixth grade, right? And we get these students at middle school level, right? Sixth grade. And, you know, that they don't know how to be advocates for themselves yet, understandably. They're just starting to be able to do that. Or their parents are just maybe, or families are just starting to allow them that freedom to even right. not be the first to contact, right? So walking that through with our students and, you know, checking on their grades, which we do, we're, we're consistent with that. But I think reaching out more intentionally and saying, hey, have you talked to this teacher? And then also like maybe CCing that teacher in an email <laughs> right. and saying, hey, we're ready to talk when y'all are about how we figure this out and how we help the student get their work done or yeah. how we teach them some skills or, you know, those kinds of things. Additionally, um, I'd like to you know, make sure that we're communicating with families mm. because again, our students, there's only so much care they can do for themselves and lead them through those kinds of things. They need other leaders outside of us. Like it takes a village. Right. And so, you know, sometimes a family is, this is new for them and they, you know, right. they, they don't know what we're doing in the class and why and why that might be helpful. And don't want to tell anyone how to be a parent or be a family member, but, um, you know, I think it's the communication that takes time. It takes time and it takes energy. And sometimes you're like, I have done what I can do in this classroom and that is enough. And that will still be enough sometimes. But when I have the availability to do it and I can make a point, bringing in those other teachers and bringing in their families is um, pretty important because that also impacts what Erica and Camila get by the time they get Absolutely. into ninth grade. Yeah. Um, we are, we've built this community outside of our school for these students. And I think I completely 1000% agree with you, Brandy. Like I think educating the parents on what our program actually is, um, because it is, well, I could go on and on, but basically educating our parents on what our dance program is and how it's different to other <coughs> dance type things that might, they might be a part of. And then allowing our amazing parents to use their amazing skills and backgrounds to enhance the knowledge of now knowing what our dance program is or what we want it to be or where we're going or how we're going to grow with it because um because they are once the parents are really involved and the families are really involved with our programs and they get it they understand it they are some of the most like we would not be able to fulfill some of the resources or needs or support without our parents uh families or guardians you know and so i think once the buy-in is there and they understand it. They are so about it. And I think it's the same with the other teachers also, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I have I have got to do my part. And I tried really hard last year to start uh, collaborating with a lot of our teachers. And, like, our flamenco class did their piece in front of the Spanish, AP Spanish students. And the AP Spanish had, students had to describe the flamenco dance in Spanish. And they got to ask questions in Spanish. And so the French teacher heard about it. And so he came down too and brought the French students. And so they described it in French. And now <laughs> these kids were speaking French and Spanish. And I was like, this is great. Like, this is a total, like, collaboration moment. And so I want to do more of that also. But, yes, Brandy, that is, I'm so about what you're saying. I think what's so beautiful about both of your responses is it really – is connection. It's connecting mm -hmm. to other, being available at lunch and speaking to students at lunch. How many um, educators 
are not available, mm -hmm. you know, or there's not an opportunity for the students to connect with with their with their teachers. I think that that really just ties in all through, you know, how are we giving students a different kind of resource, a different kind of pathway to know that like, yes, I'm one hum human, but I'm not the end all be all. Mm -mm. There's actually all these other humans out here that you could connect to as well. Yeah, because yeah, at some point I'm not around yeah, and exactly. there's a reason for that. You don't need to stay with me. No. For more than what you stay with me. Yeah. You got other people around. And, and I shouldn't be your only dance teacher. Like, no, I, like, ideally totally not. If, not. Yeah, if there's a way for us to offer you scholarships yes. or there's a way for us to just encourage... I mean, this is something that we talked about really heavily. Um, and again, just the way that we would like to run things at our school at this point, having been at that school, is, you know, realizing that we can't be everything to everybody. And mm -hmm. the best thing we can do is ask these students questions. And maybe this is maybe where equity or some just appreciation comes sure. from is like... Tell me about what you do outside of this school. Tell me about that teacher. Is that how, oh, yeah. how exciting that teacher seems to really care about you because they do blah, blah, blah. Like right. affirming this other experience and not centering yourself right. and the things you do. Now, in our classroom, this is what we do. This is who we are in this space. And then isn't that cool that you get to go right next door to Miss Serena's class and things are different and rules are different. Yeah. And isn't that amazing that you're going to go to the high school and... They're going to be, I, we always mm -hmm. say that we're all on the same tracks, but we're driving different trains. Yeah. Like we're all going in the same direction, which is just your growth, your wellness, your happiness, your expansion as a person. And yeah, I don't remember where we were going with that, but that seemed like an important thing to say that we were looking at these yeah. different teachers yeah. with just with, connecting, I yes. think was that we are far more communal than mm -hmm. we think. When I was in grad school, I was taking a, a electives in gifted and talented classes mm -hmm. and I was talking to my colleagues at the school that I was working at that time and I felt so validated and acknowledged mm -hmm. for my my time and effort that I put into grad school when an English teacher asked me what's the current research have to say about pairing students and their leveling just that like because up really until this point and maybe even you know recently up until the the dance community really was solidified with with our our work together it was always just like well I'm just a dance teacher and nobody cares about what I'm doing mm -hmm. but to be validated by other teachers mm -hmm. other professionals other educators like it feels you're worthy of the work that you're doing or you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing mm -hmm. so I think the more our students like that was such a like behind a closed door experience right that, that conversation with me and the English teacher about leveling was not for all the students to observe but I think the more connected we are into each other as educators mm -hmm. and connected we are into our students and their families like that is the care right right and then the students and maybe being even mindful to reflect on that I think a uh, high school dance festival at Classen last year, I think having the students, you know, write those thank you cards to the people who were participating and putting it on really helped the students be like, dang, all these people had to do something to make this happen. Like, that is another kind of care that our students mm -hmm. could receive through, through the dance class experience. Well, and that's another example of, again, the people who are in charge, the people in power 
are affirming that that is important. The teacher who is overseeing these students in this classroom or this program is saying, this is what we value. Mm-hmm. So in that same way, but in a different way, you were talking about um, being affirmed by people that you were doing well or, or that you had arrived to this place you didn't realize because you had been asked something by a superior or a person that you viewed yeah. you know, as a superior. I got um, some feedback the first evaluation I did at Classen, um, which had been a long time since I've been evaluated. And I wasn't, I wouldn't say I'm nervous, but you're always like, what are they going to say? Like, yeah. and I love my ad, like I can't have nothing, you know, negative to say about my, my admin here. I, Mr. Thomas is great, but you know, he's not a dancer mm-hmm. and centered himself in such a way, <laughs> but he did an evaluation on me. And one of the things that he mentioned was just that the classroom management and the community that was built here was so, you know, he didn't say so special, but it was something like this is really strong and he was like and I would love if there was a way for us to share whatever you're doing with other teachers and like I haven't forgotten like gives me goosebumps thinking about it like I haven't forgotten I didn't need that affirmation I knew I was doing a job even if I didn't get evaluated Mm -hmm. but that moment where you're like this admin sees what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and can't speak to a lot of things but can speak to what they see Mm -hmm. and then wrote that down on an evaluation and then since then has you know we're kind of working together to do a small bit of like embodiment work at the start of this school year with our instructional coach that means everything and that was caring for me (laughs) and who I am as a teacher and then it's thinking more broadly as a person in power he's like how do we how do we share this Mm -hmm. how do we bring this to other people you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I just think that's far more rare than we're talking about in not just affirming that what you're doing is good, but then it's like, and also how might more people understand this? Like, how can, how can you be a leader? I'm not an expert in this. How can you be a leader, you know, in this small way, not yeah. taking too much of your time? Absolutely. Yeah. Like shifting over who is, is sharing the information, I think also mm-hmm. is an excellent. Yeah. And more people in power should be doing that. What is your hope for our community this year? You know, I really think our community, especially this last year, has uh, surprised me and did a really good job. Um, They really showed up. They really uh, helped with our donors' shoes. They really helped with just dropping off Clorox wipes that are currently in my kitchen. Um, Because I think they are realizing how much we care and uh, they value our our work with their kids. Not all, not all. I wish more parents would, but uh, but like I said, the ones that are in, they understand. Yeah. They know that we love their children, that we care for their children. I mean, they're there. They are there for us in the dance department asking, what can I do? Do you need this? Can I give rides? Can I help feed? Can I, you know, I'm just there at the show to clap for my kid, you know? Uh, those things mean so much to us and I know that the more that we can get the more networking they know hopefully we would be able to get into something big just funding wise or I would love to see a class in booster club yes. you know because our orchestra department has an amazing amazing I'm so jealous I say it out loud (laughs) that their booster club you know sent them to Universal Studios to compete in whatever orchestra thing that they were doing and they supply them with merchandise and they get them sweaters and they get you know luncheons and you know those kids 
they they work for that. That's what their incentives are. They they want to be a part of all that. They want to join that. And I just think that dance works equally as hard. And uh, we also should be doing that. So I'm proud of our community. We still have a lot of things to do and get done within our community. But thank you. I, I have to thank the people that have already done so much. Mm-hmm. And in our dance community, thank you for those that come out to our little May Madness in the high school and volunteer their time to work with class and kids. To like Austin and Tirsa who just randomly show up and guide us with their wisdom of dance that they've experienced. And they don't have to do that. And they just do, you know. Um, and to the middle school, Brandy and Serena, all that they do, you know. Um, so it's it's a community and it's we're, we're trying our best. Uh, but I'm real proud of us right now. I am. I echo that. I feel like um, I just hope that when I think about like OKC PS dance in general and then the other dance programs outside of our district, that our teachers will consistently not be afraid to ask for what they need. Mm-hmm. And if they're not getting what they need in their spaces, that they are willing to ask somebody, how have you done it? Mm-hmm. You know, like, how are you doing it? And Don't can be I, isolated. Yeah, can I copy that? And we're all going to go, yeah, here's the syllabus. Here's the blah. Mm-hmm. Change the name. <laughs> like, yeah. like not being able to, to be able to ask for help is just, you're just going to put yourself into a hole and just bury yourself. Like, it, there's no way. So being able to ask for help and um, being generous, all of us being generous, I hope we will continue that. Even though it's easy to step into scarcity mindset, I mm-hmm. hope that we'll all continue that. And realize we're starting together. And then on a zoomed out perspective, I sure hope that our communities and all of our schools are going to not do this drop off that I think could be very easy with like, we just spent a whole year doing all these things to thank our teachers for the work that they did because of this terrible, you know, thing that's still occurring, but like in a, on a different level. So now it's kind of leveled out. And I could totally imagine that the giving goes down and that we've already had a year out and we kind of forgot. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we just like want to rally the teachers. And then like a year later, we've just kind of forgotten what they do for our students. So I hope that the support will continue uh, and be consistent. Yeah. Even two years out from like maybe the worst. Yeah. I hope that everyone gets their Amazon wishlist filled and their donors (laughs) choose things filled. And yeah, I, I need... I agree. I think we have so many wonderful things and and help and all of those kinds of things, but I just feel like it's very easy for those to drop off and go away. These are not additional things. These are basic things that our students need in the 21st century to be able to do the work that we need them to do. Mm -hmm. So those need to get there. People need to ask for help and we need to get what we need. And also on that opposite side of that, like for our newbie dance teachers, I don't want them to be afraid to also like if they have some new ideas and they have yeah. great things yes to not be scared because we are the veteran teachers to also speak up and say yeah. hey i know what do you guys think about this instead of like sometimes i think they get so fearful and just so nervous and they're just like can i copy that can i need this and i need this and like you guys you just take a second let, let let's guide you through this let's give you some suggestions but you i want to know your taste i want to know your flavor mm-hmm. i want to know what you bring to the table yeah you know and so i just hope that they're also inspired to do that and i think that's building us veteran people uh, a new outlook on things too 
So I, I think it's a give and take. I think it's a two-way street on that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we, especially with pandemic, we missed out on so many young teachers mm-hmm. who got burned out for good reason. Like it was a very hard, challenging time. I wish that sentiment had come through. I think it existed. I think sure. we wanted the younger teachers to be like, yes, I have this to offer. But they were in you know survival mode that they yes. couldn't expand and share what was going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and also I know we you know we continue to I think we use the language like younger teacher, right? But like you know, newer teacher is also strange in our field because you have people who have been teaching in many capacities or you have people who've been in all kinds of spaces that come in with that knowledge. But, you know, we're a different system, right? So they are younger in our system, but right. Right. But there's still, again, there's so much that these teachers have to offer. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll call out one in particular. So Cheryl Homan, who's at uh, Mm -hmm. Mary Golda Ross. Yes. Cheryl, she came in and we were, we, she was uh, borrowing a few costume pieces for us. And we often do that in OKCPS. We're, you know, lending out small pieces here and there and stuff to help each other out. And she kind of just, you know, randomly mentioned like this massively wonderful project that she's been doing with her students and all the learning she's been doing to basically, she, uh, she made a passport for all of her students and they went to different regions and different places and their whole concert was based off of this passport. And so they would do this this thing and then they would get all get their passports stamped to these different places. And it and she was describing it as though it was this little like quick little thing. You know, she did, and I just was like, Cheryl, like, how, like when are you teaching about what you're doing? Like when are you gonna share this? Because yeah. I think it was just like you get in your pockets of your schools and you do your work and you're like you know, it's never good enough or we're, we, we feel good about it, but we're always like, Oh, if another dance teacher saw this, they'd probably see all the flaws in it. Or, you know, we get in those kind of spaces and I don't know that Cheryl was there, but she was definitely in a place where I was shocked that she hadn't like told from the mountaintops that she had done this amazing project. And so, yeah, I think that's an example of sort of like, you know, Cheryl is new to the district but goodness, but not in her teachings. Yeah, not yeah. in her teachings. Yeah, she there's is a, a well veteran. Yes, educator throughout her life. Yes, yeah. and I have so much to learn from Cheryl. Mm-hmm. So much to learn from Cheryl. So that's yeah. So hey, shout out to Mary Golda Ross. Yay, Y'all got Cheryl! a gem. Y'all got a gem there. I love that. Project. But um, but yeah. So I'm excited to hear more. And I think that doesn't just apply to someone who's had you know that many years of experience. You're absolutely right. So so my last question. How can the community support you? Maybe we've done these things. We are so thankful for our community. What is something that you're like, man, I wish this. Booster club. <laughs> yes. Actually, my school too is like, we would love a performing arts booster club. Do it. Also, just things like we do a list at the start of the year and we say, here's the things we absolutely need, you know, like in a Google Doc or something. And then there's also like a, any other random connections you have? You got a connection to a food truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you own a company and you got paper plates out the wazoo that you can write off for taxes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and and some people are like, look, I make really great crockpot meals and I can. Food is you know what I mean? our biggest issue. Yes, yeah. food is always it's hard a to feed. Huge 
feeding you, all our of the show dancers. has how many do we say 300 probably a lot of kids 300 dancers yes. so the idea that we need them there all week for tech but that we can't really i mean we let them we also give them a very short amount of time in comparison for, for, for a professional show like they get there at 4 30 and we're they're out by eight mm-hmm. like we we really pack it in but for that many dancers you also want to keep them fed mm-hmm. and the middle schoolers no can't just that. leave you know and come no. back like our high schoolers yeah, I really feel. Yeah, the littles have to eat. So realizing there's no, there's nothing too small. Right. Like if you're a family member or a community member, you have no connection. You just heard about how great this school is, or yeah. you you live in a neighborhood. You got a school near you. Ask them. You know, how yeah. can I donate this or that, or what do you? And we want to put your logo in our program, and we want to give yes. you a shout out on our social media, and we want to help you. You know, we're not just trying to take. Right. We want to, you know, build a community relationship with mm-hmm. these people and um you know also things like just even coming to shows yeah <laughs> like yes. our as as a, i'll just speak for most of us the most of us the most money that we are raising in a year the we call it at our school like the one fundraiser yeah. we do a year yeah is our show same and when we framed it that way i will also offer that to other dance teachers um when we framed it that way we had parents who really shifted their perspective they were like I don't have to sell a thousand, you know, candy bar boxes or I don't like, I just have to show up and you want me to stand and take tickets. Yes. That's all I got to do. Yeah. I'll pay, I'll pay $10 or, you know, and whatever everyone's Mm -hmm. ticket costs are, ours, ours are, are decently high in comparison. But if it's even a donation, if it's like, this is the donation to our fundraiser every year. Yeah. I just think that there's ways of kind of framing it in that way. I will also offer very small things to teachers and to families Families, we know you are busy. We know that you have many things to do. I would say every teacher that I have encountered in dance takes a lot of care in the communications we send out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do a monthly newsletter or a weekly email yes. or just like, hey, I'm prepping you for what is needed for these shows or yes. these performances or these permission slips need to get signed. We know that you have a lot on your plate. We hear you. We see it. But Take the time to review the communications that we give you. Um, figure out a system of starring that or putting it in a folder or double check in with your kid every day. Send me this email that maybe I didn't get or double check it. If you haven't heard from us in a sec, email us and figure that out because there's a good chance we spent a lot of time doing that. So it is a huge waste. Although we want to help you and questions are there, if we have put it in an email or we have asked you, please do not email us during this time. I am on break. Or it is a deadline. Mm-hmm. Just please hear us out. Mistakes are going to get made, and we understand that we're all fallible and human. But it takes such a time suck out of our day to be yeah. able to answer questions that were already answered in an email. We probably color coded and spaced and did the thing so it was the easiest for you I to remember. Like and don't be afraid to call us out if we're missing something or whatever. Yeah. But please, community, take the time to read the things and see the things as best as you can. And if you're yeah. not getting something, you know be honest about that too if you're not getting what you need yeah but and i just started that this spring semester i started a monthly newsletter and you know what parents do read it mm-hmm. and my first thing is celebration then i say hey it is your responsibility to contact us email me with pictures and achievements that you want us to give you a shout out on and you know i think the parents really appreciate that and it's not like i'm picking students on my own it's if you reach out to me, I'm going to do it. And so I think that kind of builds that practice of communicating um, because parents, I'm also going to be this parent, love to brag about their kids as they should. I think that's 
I think that's a good hook sometimes to start a positive communication with families. So yes, monthly newsletters. I like that a Do lot. Do it. Yeah. It does take time. But once you've got it, it's more like a copy paste kind of like. I was going to say, and so I will be asking you for that template, Erica, so I can do that for the middle school. Yeah, that's where to go. Yeah. Yeah. I will share. Do you have anything in closing that you would like to tell other educators? One time I was in the teacher's lounge and we were getting our coffee. This was at at Capitol Hill, the first high school I taught at. And I don't know why. I just can never forget this memory. It just always is with me. And it was just like everyone's scrambling. The first bell rang. Everyone's getting their coffee. And we're having this great conversation about, I, I don't remember, and I'm heading off, and the teacher says to me, good luck out there. Like, we were going to war or something sometimes. <laughs> and I was just like, the way that they said it, it's like, good luck out there. I was like, thank you. It just always stuck with me like, yeah, I'm going out there. And to them, I don't know what kind of, you know, they probably just meant like good luck they, walking to your building because you were a yeah, separate building. I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, you like know, there what? may be elements. Like yeah, Oklahoma. <laughs> and so I was like, all right. And I just the way that they said it, I was just like, yeah, like I'm ready. Like I'm gonna get out there. Like I don't know about that person. It seems like they're having a rough time, but to me, I took it as yeah, it's time to start. Like let's go. Like it's game time. And I don't know. I just I just always stuck with me. Silly, but it's just like okay. Good luck out there. Good luck out there. (laughs) I think that, like, the idea of being, um, like, a consistent student is is always, like, it's so hard because we're supposed to be and we have to showcase as a leader in the classroom that we are the expert. And, yes, even when we're centering other people or we're saying we're not the only expert, you still are the one in charge. And it's Mm -hmm. really hard. I find it really hard to shift back and forth between... I am the one who knows the things or has presented the things I think you need to know. And then also be able to go home and be like, but that wasn't very good. Or like, it's a challenge to shift back and forth to that reflection and and being honest and those kinds of things. So I would say just reminding yourself that you're just a constant student, even though you're in charge. Absolutely. And also, and I say this to the new, we've talked about this before, Maria, but to the new teachers who are in our district or mm-hmm. maybe teaching for, for the first time or at a new school, right? Cause that's, a, it's mm-hmm. different even at a new school is um, just remembering that when you're speaking to other people, you are still the expert of your school. Like you may hear that Erica's doing something at class in SAS high school or that you're doing something in Putnam city, but it's not one-to-one like, right. like you are the expert in your building mm-hmm. and you, you do actually know what your students need. Now your ability to give that to them, it may be better in 10 years or in a year, mm-hmm. but like you actually are the expert in your building. And that goes back to the asking for what you need kind of a thing that the way that you showcase that you're an expert is not by being perfect, but going, Ooh, this did or didn't work. And like, I got to ask somebody for this or that, or I just got to find out how to, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. Even if it's like a behavioral thing, like mm-hmm. I call, like that's my most, like I'll call Adelita and be like, okay, the situation, mm-hmm. you know, Susie said this and John said this, and now I need to know what I should say about this. Yeah, should I do it this way or should I handle it this mm-hmm. way? And you know, I, I think that's what I mostly call for when I need my, my, my teacher people is is because you know you just never know if you're gonna do the right thing we've had those combos before yeah <laughs> like, 
It's like, what do you think about this? It's like, okay, yes. And it's very helpful. And it's very, like, you feel supported. Like, you're not by yourself in that type of situation. You know? Absolutely. And you don't freak out when it happens. You, like, take a 10 second, like, okay, how am I going to approach this? What just happened? Instead of impulsively reacting. Right. You know? And I think that's real scary for, I think you learn that along the way. So, mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. be impulsive. Don't react. Well, it goes back to that self-care, right? Like if you can do whatever that looks like for you in the tiny amounts that are easily digestible every day, Mm -hmm. what does that mean for you? Because if you're dysregulated, Mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard for you to handle your students Mm -hmm. when they're dysregulated and they will be, and we all probably will be for a very long time, forever and ever. Amen. So like, how do you get yourself into a place where you are going to be able to respond in a way that keeps you happy with who you are yeah, (laughs) and also maybe like gives that example to students and also know that you're going to have days where you blow up and you say stupid things and you say things you wish you hadn't said. And in that way, how do you show vulnerability and tell them I really lost my stuff yesterday. That wasn't okay. I'm really sorry about that. You know, like again, just knowing that you will not be perfect. And then the, death, so the, sh- the next day has to go on and you have to reconcile with yourself yeah. and your students and, you know, just keep going. Yeah. But you need that support to do that. You have to have that support to keep going or you will quit very easily. That's actually why I came over. That's <laughs> what yeah. I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> we feel it. Yay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, Maria. Thanks, Maria. Oh, yeah. Thank you. This was a bit of a long episode, so I will make my reflection points as short and sweet as possible because hopefully you have plenty of reflection points on your own. I think that an overarching idea is social emotional learning is such a headline in giving care. How we ourselves as educators have to regulate ourselves as well as provide opportunity for students to practice self-regulation. Otherwise, just like Erica was saying, it's so hard to lead. I know personally this past school year, I simply cut projects out and managed the best way I could by saying we have to move forward, which maybe wasn't the kindest or most helpful way of managing my classroom, but it was the best way I could at that time. I also really appreciate how the idea of embodiment in other areas of life could help us lead to a balanced productivity. We're not just using embodiment for all the things that feel good, but also using embodiment to acknowledge what discomfort we experience, not only in dance, but also outside of the dance classroom, and how learning to live inside of an embodied discomfort can empower us to work through discomfort in communication elsewhere. I really like how discussing performance is so important. It's how we share our work with the community and it is fulfilling to the student to perform as well as the student performing enriches the community. I hope that we can all celebrate any time 
that we get to share community, not necessarily whether it was good or bad, but beyond that binary aspect and see that because it happened, it has been so much better for those around us. I love when Brandy said that when they work in tandem, they can make equity happen. I think that really speaks to the power of community care. If we all come into the conversation saying, hey, this is what I'm passionate about, or this is what I'm knowledgeable about, or this is what I'm curious about, we can all share something that we can add value to ourselves, our classroom, and our students to make equity happen in a more intentional and meaningful fashion. I know that when I work by myself, I have great ideas, but it's so hard for me to put them into action. But it's easier for me to make them happen when I work with others who are also passionate about making equity happen in the classroom listening to Brandy and Erica talk about what they want to do in their classrooms this coming year made me think about how I want to empower my students' use of technology. Specifically for my company members, I want them to participate in documenting progress. I know in the past, I really took the lead and managed documenting progress, but I think that having the students take responsibility for documenting their progress would one, alleviate my task in getting that reflection point done for my students and also give the students the opportunity to to practice using technology themselves. I think everybody has technology now, perhaps, but not everybody knows how to use it in an effective and meaningful fashion. So really building in the practice of saying students, Now is the time to utilize your technological devices to participate in documenting progress and then share it with your community would be so helpful for me as an educator to empower my students. I was editing this episode and I heard myself use the term bipolar and I would like to apologize because I don't think I use that term correctly. I recognize that I live in extremes, so I often am really energetic with this idea of hope, and then I bottom out and feel hopeless, and that is a fluctuation in my energy, and I am not wanting to shame or utilize the term bipolar incorrectly, so I wanted to correct myself and apologize for any harm that I might have done by using that term incorrectly. My intention is to always be mindful of how I speak and I want to make sure that I speak as compassionately as possible. Speaking of compassion, I think that it's interesting to listen to all of us talk about self-care and the idea of moving our bodies. We teach movement And we provide students with this opportunity to feel whole and to feel a spectrum of emotions when doing movement. And it is humorous that we fall off of our own practice of going out as students ourselves and 
getting that same fulfillment of movement, you know, the frustration of something that's hard or the joy of knowing that you did something hard. I hope that all of us will go out and take a class. I also have an idea that I'm hoping will come into fruition, but more on that later. Since this conversation, I actually made pillow spray. Um, I found on Google, I just like pillow spray do-it-yourself recipe. I used witch hazel, lavender, and Roman chamomile. And I've used it two nights in a row now and y'all, it, it's delightful. So go ahead and just go at make yourself some pillow spray and enjoy that because it's it's great. Today was a real today as in I'm actively editing this episode. I had a really hard night last night. I couldn't settle in. The pillow spray didn't work last night for whatever reason. <laughs> and I cleaned my house overnight. And then I slept it. I'm not, that's not my style. I usually am very much like, okay, I go to sleep now. And then I wake up early and I even signed up for a 10 a.m. yoga class today. And I slept in until 10. What a bummer. So I did not practice a ritual, but instead today I practiced a system in which I got myself up and consumed some nutritious breakfast I think I did a protein shake and I was thankful for that. And I moved around before I settled into this project of editing this episode. So the point of me saying that is maybe today or tomorrow doesn't go the way you want it to go, but can you adapt and change course and take care of yourself in a fashion so that you can go, okay, well, what was my objective? My objective was to do this project. Great. How can I do it without sacrificing myself and my mental health and my physical and emotional spiritual health? How can I take care of that first before I get into productivity mode? I invite you to contemplate that. I love Erica sharing the flamenco performance in class to the Spanish class and the French class. And I think it really demonstrated the task of communication. I think that allowed students to see teachers communicating and it allowed students to utilize their studies in practical application. Furthermore, I appreciate there was a comment made about how Each dance program has its own culture of what works for it in each different space. And I think that that is something that we all could really contemplate and value that each program has its unique set of values that we can honor and respect and demonstrate to our students how we speak about each other's programs with that respect and dignity. And maybe that in turn will allow the students to mimic how to speak with respect and dignity about things maybe they're unfamiliar with or maybe things that they are transitioning in and out of depending their dance background. Another point that I really value from this conversation was the enrichment of volunteers, specifically class in 
SAS High School at Northeast does this May Madness practice, and I get to see it on social media. It's so cool. People from across the dance community will sign up and come in and teach dance classes at Classen SAS High School at Northeast, and it's so enriching to those students to have a different teacher every day and have a different perspective each day. And I think that that is something beautiful that could be mimicked across the community if there are people available to give time like that. I hope that you, if you are a person who maybe is not necessarily in the traditional education dance classroom, if you do have that skill set and you could sign up for a class or two, I bet your local school would really appreciate that. I also value what Brandy said about showing up at the polls. We need people to vote for policy changes that value education. I believe it was in Ibram X. Kendi's book, How Not to Be a Racist. Is that the name of the book? He says that we can't change people, we can only change policy. So that requires us to show up and vote for policies that are going to support educators. Towards the end of the conversation, I really valued the vulnerability that Erica shared when she was talking about calling for help to a colleague about behavior. She is a seasoned veteran educator who still to this day will call up a colleague and be like, hey, this is happening and I want your opinion on this. And this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about my response? And I think that that just demonstrates that this is an ever-evolving practice. There's no one perfect way of doing this, but the more we become aware of how we want to be humanistic with our students and the more we want to grow, I think is something that we all could practice. And last, whatever year you're going into, I hope that you ask for what you need. I don't think that there's any level of that's a poor request or that request is silly. I think that the idea of just connecting with your colleagues and sharing ideas and expressing what challenges you're going through, even if it's just the act of being heard all the way through connecting to somebody who's going to point you to the right direction in the resources that you're asking for, that all is interconnected in how we care for each other and how we keep each other healthy and productive in the most meaningful way in the classroom. I hope that you reach out, whether it's with a review for this podcast, a question, an observation, or even maybe you want to be on the podcast. I would love that. Until then, take care. And last, good luck out there.